Hi, I'm Dr. Mariam Zamani, and I'm an oculoplastic surgeon with a special interest in facial aesthetics and also the founder of MZ Skin. And this is the Guinea Pig Podcast. Why are we called the Guinea Pig? Because that's what I am. I'm writer and journalist Fiona Golfar, and I'm here ready and willing to try out just about any treatment and treatment going. We are the breath that you take before trying anything out there. So, if you're looking for an honest, no-holds-barred approach to invasive and non-invasive cosmetic surgery, then come join us from the clinic every Thursday on the Guinea Pig Podcast. Hi everyone, we're back at the clinic for another episode of the Guinea Pig. And it's a rather special occasion today as we are joined by a very special young woman, a writer, presenter and model, Katie Piper. Thanks so much for joining us, thank Katie. You, thank it's you. It's a pleasure. Good to be back with old friends. <laughs> <laughs> so full disclosure, Katie and I have known each other. Well, we met a few months ago. Yeah. And I interviewed you for an American publication and did a photo shoot with you. And Katie, before I came to interview you, I didn't really, I knew a little bit about your story. And I knew nothing of what kind of a really incredible woman you are and the work that you've done and the courage that you've shown throughout your experience. So just for anyone who, who might not know Katie's story, you were the victim of, a, of an acid attack 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. And your journey back to being you has really been an inspirational one. You've, you've, you've formed a charity, the Katie Piper Foundation. You've had, I think, over 300 operations. Yeah, I mean, I just stopped counting at 300. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So. You're completely beautiful. <laughs> and you. one of the things that came out of our interview that really struck me was your real love of beauty actually and your engagement with it talk to me about that because you really you have such a playful relationship with your own beauty and kind of things that you like to use on your face yeah I mean I suppose that's why when I was attacked and the aftermath and the recovery why actually it became such a big thing in terms of news because the conventional journey of somebody after a burn injury is possibly you know to isolate themselves maybe not to return to a professional life perhaps not have a relationship which fills me with great sadness that that's the aspiration and and perhaps that's a reflection of how society views that person not just that how that person feels so I kind of went the opposite end to the extreme and did all those things on acid literally you know (laughs) um so I think that's sort of you know people don't think of somebody who's facially disfigured to um feel beautiful to act beautiful to represent beauty and to enjoy it um so in a way it's it's a challenging uh, thing for a lot of people but i was always that person before um and it's always been an opinion to me it's always been like art it's always been perception you've been to beauty school haven't you yeah i, tra- <laughs> I trained as a therapist um so i did kind of you know level three hair and beauty and then i studied to teach anatomy and physiology to teach the theory side to students um, because I had a genuine interest in it and it's funny now being the kind of patient medically I've always been fascinated by all the procedures and the kind of medical science behind it. Um, One of the things I found most touching in the first documentary that you did where you invited the BBC into your home to watch your the first year of your recovery. Channel 4. Channel (laughs) 4, sorry, when you invited Channel 4 into your home, was that the first time you actually left your house to go out you went with your sister and you went to the makeup oh yeah yeah so I don't even think about that as odd because that's just normal for me and I suppose you know all these kind of cliche sayings about 
um, the beauty being on the inside, I suppose that really represents at the heart where does it lie because obviously the exterior had changed to the point where I was wearing a plastic face mask so I couldn't physically have used those products but still there was that desire and yeah that was that was me so why would I have not gone to the counter that's what we always did on a Saturday. How old were you? I was 24 back then and I'm you know I'm gonna be 37 this year so yeah it was at a very poignant time for a woman you know if I think of course. like if I look at my recovery you know I had been in a coma so you had to muscle wasted learn to walk learn to swallow my friends were getting mortgages getting engaged trying for children um, and I had regressed back to almost being a toddler. And your little sister had sort of, in effect, become your big sister, hadn't she? Which was a very interesting dynamic for you, I think. Yeah, and because of society's obsession with appearance, they think the biggest problems would be around not feeling beautiful, not looking symmetrical. But it was to do with the roles that I played in society. So that was one of the most heartbreaking things, is the dynamic changing with my sister, because I was that bossy big sister. I forced her to have a Hollywood wax to get my MVQ signed <laughs> off. And I couldn't get any other model. And I was like, you're having this done. She's like, I've only just got pubic hair, I'm 15. <laughs> oh, you don't need it. Um, and so I'd always been quite controlling of her boyfriends and all these, you know. And then now the dynamics had changed, where I was too embarrassed to make eye contact. I was too traumatized to walk through a busy street and she was like hand holding me and encouraging me and for me I attached quite a lot of shame to that you know I really hated that but also how beautiful that you were one accepting and two that she was patient because it was probably hard on both of you I imagine at that time yeah and I think it's like for the family the one thing they want to change they can't it's permanent so they try to look beyond and say how else can we support be involved make it okay when we can't take away the one thing that's not making it okay and that was her her way you know yeah so you're both really close now yeah we are and the dynamics have gone back you know I bossed her around <laughs> big <laughs> surprise there yeah. yeah and it's good and it's improved our relationship and we've all moved on to our next you know we have our own children now it either breaks relationships or it fi- you find new, a newer tolerance and patience and a different kind of closeness I think one of the things that struck me in, when we were talking on the, we did a shoot together as well as an interview and you were so kind of fantastically brave because I did managed to get you down to having absolutely no clothes on at all. <laughs> Sounds like you have that effect on people. I don't know. I just, I, what I thought was, because you're beautiful, and I think that you um, carry yourself with such pride, and so I think that your body is very beautiful as well, and I wanted to try and... I mean, I'm not sure that they'll publish, we were talking about that just now, the, the naked pictures, but I love that on that photo shoot, Katie, you took such pride in your beauty, because they were really beautiful pictures that we were doing. And one of the things that we did when we were talking about all the things that, you know, kind of I love to do. So we were talking about Profilo and we were talking about fillers and all the things that I do and I enjoy doing. You also do. We Mm -hmm. talked about and you were talking about sort of putting filler in your hands. That Mm -hmm. really struck me because it's less painful for you. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that little bit. It's really it's interesting, actually, because people wrongly always assume that I must be so anti-aesthetics, cosmetic surgery. And for me, that all sits in the same ground of judgment, you know, judging other people for their appearance, judging other people for their choices. And this skewed kind of thing of, well, if you're unattractive, people shouldn't judge you. But if you're beautiful and doing things around beauty, then, then it's a free-for-all to, to condemn you for that. And that's still judging someone on how they look. And, you know, who is anybody to really make the judgment on what is or what isn't beautiful? And at the root of what happened to me 
was a man deciding, I'm going to make her undesirable. I'm going to not kill her, but stop her. And he's, he's not that person to be able to do that. You know, he had that choice for a few seconds to hold me back, but I wouldn't let him have that choice to reign for all of my life. And it's the same in everyday life. We must never let outsiders' unsolicited opinions and advice put, stop us in our tracks or alter how we act, you know. So were you always this strong? Because all I can think it's of is... thing, isn't it? <laughs> no, you know, because 300 surgeries cannot be easy on anybody. You know, so what was the the light at the end of the tunnel for you that made you, you know, carry on? In a way, I think it's stubbornness. Like, I was always stubborn growing up, and I talked to you a bit about my childhood, and I was always problematic as a teenager, you know, like a thrill-seeker, uh, adventurous person, mm. um, which was always a criticism of me when I was younger, but it has helped me in my adult years to kind of be more robust and think, well, what's the worst that could happen, you know, because it's already happened, and really the human mind is such a strong muscle and it's all about perception of mm. you know framing things like this is the end of this is it like if you condemn it and you create the end then sure it will be the end because you're the writer of this script you know I always think of my life like a movie full of scenes and me being the script writer the director I always think well my acid attack was kind of like the climax scene but effectively a few seconds and then every scene afterwards I've written myself and I'm even when we feel out of control we're not because we're, we're narrating the rest of it and maybe if it had been like a house fire or something I might have been more defeatist because it would have been an accident whereas if this had a, it had intent all the way through and I just felt so strongly that a guy a guy cannot destroy me like that's such an underestimation of a woman. Who you are. Yeah, yeah. I just, so it, I just writ Amazing. it off as like never an option, you know. But you've been very open about, you have over the years, you know, there are times it hasn't, it's not all been plain sailing, I know, and you've had yeah. therapy. And I, I, I thought what was very interesting when you, we were talking about that was that you automatically got therapy, I think, when you were in the hospital. But actually what I thought was really interesting was that you, you, you still have therapy from time to time, but Even in now, the same way yeah. that, you know, your your issues are my issues, you know, they're, they're about being a mum or being a... Yeah. I mean, I would I not mean, go I'm to sure. therapy and say, oh, I'm burnt, I'm ugly, I, yeah. I hate my skin, like that, no. I mean, I would go to therapy and be like, I hate my husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get in line. Yeah. I need to secure this job or my kids are awful, you know. Yeah. yeah, it would be like regular stuff because everything becomes relative and, you know, I'm burnt, but the burn lives with me, whereas if in the early days of the recovery, I had to live alongside the burn and all the appointments were my existence, you know, but obviously it transitions and it changes. So, you know, going back to strength, it's about realising the permanency of things nothing's ever really permanent is it you know some things last longer than others yes well one of the things I'm looking at you I'm sort of staring at you actually <laughs> you so always nice. stare yeah, I, always stare. Stare. I was yeah. nervous to stare at you because I remember when I was reading and I was researching you you were like I see the minute somebody looks at me you know how it's going to be like the look on the, the way you people know, look at you yeah. and I remember when I met you I thought don't not Look at, don't, <laughs> don't not look at how you know keep a steady eye mm. I mean it's important to me to make contact with people as a human being and I think that's what we we do so yes I'm sorry about the staring but um you get such pleasure from 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 beauty I mean you get as much pleasure as I as I get we were talking about you know you were telling me about all the products that you like to yeah. use and and so can I ask you a little bit of that kind of more superficial stuff so mm -hmm. what are you loving what is your skincare regime and and do you sort of hear about the new treatment, you know, say profile or whatever, and think, yeah, I'm going to have a crack at that, just like 
Yeah, I mean, I'd never, I'd never stop trying things and and doing different stuff. Um, I don't like to have too much downtime because, you know, I'm the breadwinner. I've got two kids, so that's kind of my priority. And fitness is a massive part of my life. So if I have an hour, I'd rather go to the gym than go for invasive facial. But I, I've had Profilo recently. I use Botox regularly. Um, I've had good results with CO2 laser. Um, I'm fortunate. I get sent lots of different skincare to try. I actually like quite basic stuff like. Um, uh, La Roche Pese, I like that. Yes, we're fans of that here. Yeah, which, which isn't particularly high end, but I find it really hydrating. I'm using retinol at the moment, um, which really helps me. And again, I'm not actually using retinol for scarring. I'm using retinol because I get a lot of blackheads trapped in scarring. And, you know, I don't have like thick zigzag scars on my face. I have crepey skin because my whole face is a skin graft. You know, so it's like I'm not really trying to get rid of scars. It's more about I just want to look improve the yeah improve the skin yeah. So, so you said primers are very important for you because they help hold makeup makeup yeah. onto your skin. So my relationship with makeup is if there's a budget and I'm doing a job, I always use the makeup same makeup artist. Are you met Toby? I you? definitely met yeah, your team. Who are, and I can and, see why it's so important to you to work with the with the same yeah. team because apart from anything else, they're fantastically quick. Yeah, they're if really they're, quick, they're really good. They're amazingly quick for yeah. a kind of makeup team. And he's kind, team. my makeup guy. You know, he taught me, because um, obviously when you first lose your sight, it's really hard. But like anything, again, it just you just adapt and it becomes normal. But it's really hard to do eye makeup with the good eye shut. So he taught me how to do it like um, through kind of feeling, positioning, point the brush to feel the corner of the eye, start the eyeliner and stuff. And he sat with me, again, patient, you know, and very patient, teaching me how to do it. Um, so yeah, so when that's my makeup with him and there's lots of primers, SPF, setting. But when I don't have that, I'm no makeup because I don't like it slapdash done wrong. I'd rather do like totally bare face and a false, I don't have lashes, I don't like a false eyelash. And that's it because everyone knows I'm burnt. Everyone knows at my kid's school what I look like. It's a bit shocking sometimes for the children who have not met me before but then once they've met you three four times it's normal you know the mindset you have is at a different level sometimes right I can feel sad at I can't remember what it's like to have full vision because it's been so long but I'm past missing it because it's been so long and it's okay and I do everything and through the stubbornness, I go beyond. I know. know. I think. I, I think like, it's fabulous. Yeah. I mean, I really. I. I have to say that to be able to have that strength. The steps that you've taken over the years. You're the face of Pantene at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Face yes, of Pantene. Yes, at the yes, moment, yeah. And when they first, I think it was when you first shot it, and they put it on the, the oh, billboards in yeah. Piccadilly Circus. And so the there you were and, on the tube yeah. com- with no airbrushing whatsoever. No. And. You were very nervous about that, weren't you? Yeah, because obviously, like, if you were a regular model or TV presenter, when you see yourself in big campaigns, it's exciting. If you're on telly, you might all record it and watch it. Yeah, it is slightly different because, I don't know, you know, like, as a woman, when you hear yourself on, like, record, you're like, oh, my gosh. You know, and then, like, when I see myself in HD or really big or from other angles that you'll never see yourself it is quite a stark reminder of oh I'm disfigured and I don't I look in the mirror of course I look in the mirror but not for a long time and not from all angles so it's an interesting relationship to because actually in one way you feel like bold and brave it's me this is good but there's lots of memories etched in so it's it's interesting but now I'm a mother to daughters I try to look at it as I made it and I should be proud you know um, and you should. And, and they're beautiful. Should. They are beautiful. They're honest. 
I know yeah. they're beautiful ads and they represent so much more than just the shampoo, which is amazing, you know. Yeah, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> oh my, but actually, I did. But you just again, really when we hair, shot, your hairdresser, who was also lovely, whose name is Chris, yeah. Chris, was saying that he thinks your hair's really, that the quality of your hair's really improved since you've been using. You were saying how much oh, you yeah, like yeah, actually yeah. using Pantene. So that was an off-the-record <laughs> yeah, conversation about yeah. endorsement <laughs> about Pantene. Do you think with your, now how long has your podcast been running for? It's in series three, so it's, it's, it's over a year old. I think it's nearly two. Nearly Two years, year and a half. And what inspired you to um, to start it? What were you? What did you feel you could? Um, it was the frustration of working in telly, where you go, you work with channels and production companies, and you know I meet amazing people all the time because where I've shared such private things, people offload to me, they trust me. You know, it's been like being a hairdresser; they'll tell me all their problems. And sometimes you think, wow, this is phenomenal, and you don't have a platform, and you're just getting on with your life, and there is no pity party. And then at the other end of the scale, the other section of society that are attracted to me are, it's over. You know, I have a scar on my hand from burning it on the oven. I'm never going out. I'm never <laughs> going to have a sexual relationship. I've got a spot. Yeah, and it's like, I'm not diminishing that because actually at the end of the day, if a small scar on your hand does stop you going out, that is a very big problem. And that, yeah. is, that is relative to you. You know, it's about, you know it, it doesn't matter the size of the injury or the trauma. So I wanted to bring those two groups of people together for perspective. But in the TV world, you present an idea. It takes so long to get commissioned. People move on. So I was like, okay, let's start a passion project that doesn't matter about money I'll do it for free it's a small investment and it's just something that's going to be fulfilling don't we all right it's one of my main sources of income with massive sponsors and it kind of resonates to me actually if you go with your morals and beliefs and you don't always chase money and you do you put the effort in things become lucrative because people can see authenticity you know and it wasn't actually so I mean I don't even have the time for it to be a kind of career thing but now it's been brilliant you know Pantene sponsors some of it as well so when you think about the career that you thought you were going to have, the 23-year-old mm. you thought you were going to have, which was, I mean, I know what your life was. You were, in, you, were, you were in nightclubs, you were in London, you were earning £500 a week, you could pay the rent, you could go to Tokyo Joe, what was the club you went to? China White. China White, right? And you were presenting on telly at three o'clock in the morning. On So do you kind of think, oh my God, talk about when life gives you lemons, make lemonade, but... You've made a life I would have thought beyond your wildest dreams in many ways out of adversity. In some senses, yes, that's true. Because, you know, like just shooting with you at that shoot, like that's a bucket list thing for me. You know, mm. that's amazing. And it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't had that journey. But how can we all look back at what we were doing yes. with our 20-year-old self and say what might have been, what might not have been? Because one thing is for certain, and this will sound arrogant because it's not a British way to talk about yourself, but I know whatever I would have done, I would have been successful. Yes. I might not have been famous, but I would, I'd never take a day off. I work really hard. I had a trade. I had a skill. I would have set up a clinic. I would have trained beyond beauty therapy. Are you American? Um, no, no. I know. <laughs> I literally, because it's like, like no, British people don't like... like... I've but, never met anyone like you, Katie. It's really... They don't like that. that. It's, yeah. It sounds They arrogant, don't like that, yes. It's, it's not arrogant at all. No. You worked hard and you, and regardless of whatever you would have done, you would have succeeded. I believe yeah. in that a hundred percent. Yeah, and I might not have been famous, but that isn't really relevant to the success and the fulfillment. I could have done everything I've done now with a charity and with business, but just not with a public profile. And that would have been as exciting for me because I love challenge. I love working hard and that's what I kind of thrive on. So, yeah. What's the project you're working on now that you're most excited about? 
Gosh, well, I mean, there's there's so many. I do such, and that, actually, that's one thing I love because I do get bored easily. You know, I can't just do one thing. So my life is so diverse. Um, I suppose my passion is with the charity because that for me is about changing the outcome for the patient and changing the quality of life and the expectation. You know, like you could be blind and be a CEO. You could be facially disfigured and seen as sexy, get married. You know, be a, a trailblazer. And that's hopefully what we're changing. You know, the psychology of it, but also we've just opened a rehab centre up north we had the first um, burn rehabilitation centre in the country so yeah that's such that, a lovely story how I, I love the story that you told me about when you set up the charity because um, Simon Cowell had seen the documentary I think about you yeah. and and then he wrote to you and offered you a job I think yeah as a runner for his production company and you yeah. said no because (laughs) (laughs) why should I say yes I don't want to be a runner you know and actually that's not what I said I didn't survive all that to do that there's nothing wrong with being a runner but that's not my path that I was pursuing anyway so just because a famous person offered it to me if a non-famous person offered it to me I would have said no so I was like you know what Simon Cowell's not in my life anyway so if he turns me down now he was never in my life so let's just see what happens so So you asked him yeah I went to the meeting I, I wore a mini skirt with like black tights ankle boots roll neck uh, I love bit. that you remember everything that you wore. <laughs> but I also had a shaved head and a plastic face mask. This is like it was kind of like fetishy, like weird alternative look. And I walked in and he offered me a cigarette and I was like, Simon, my face is in a mask and I've got tubes up my nose. I'm currently not smoking. <laughs> but it kind of like broke the ice. Yeah. And then we were just sat in his office and he um, was very like compassionate and empathetic and he was like, you know, I just can't believe the evil in man that another man could do it to another man. Like, how could this happen? in mankind and we just talked about that and I was nervous to meet him like intimidated to meet Mm. him but then when we started talking about stuff on that human level I forgot his aura and who he is and then he said I don't want you to stay at home like in the program so I you can be a runner for psycho but I will pay for you to have a chauffeur every day um so you don't have to use public transport and I was like no no I'll never progress like that's too much of a comfort zone that's bad I need to get back on the tube I need to get like job interviews and like create something for myself and I was like I really want to set up a charity but I need investment because you need five grand to make it charitable status I was earning £70 a week on disability benefit. And I told him, I was like, look, I'm on disability benefit. And for me, that's so embarrassing, but I'm going to get myself off it. But I have like a strategy. So again, it was quite good. So he didn't offer me any money or any help beyond the runner job. And he just said, if you have a strategy, write a professional business plan and then present to me in a few months time. So I went away as a beautician with no kind of like admin experience. I went online, used like software, kept self-teaching myself. And I went back and presented to him and got him to privately invest and then pushed him and pushed him because he didn't want to do it publicly but I mm-hmm. guess because all the charities would reach out but I needed him for PR so I pushed him and pushed him and eventually he gave in to the extent where I did a press launch at his office because <laughs> I didn't have a venue so yeah and he's still like um, involved now and we're actually working together on a project at the moment so yeah no so. he was fantastic I know he was a really f- yeah. big angel for you wasn't he yeah it's so odd the day after literally the day after I shot you and met you I went somewhere oh, and I met and Simon Cowell yeah. I was like oh my god the stars are aligned he's a genuine though don't and you and no, he was divine he was so yeah. so nice and so sweet and just adores you and it was all very in the hands of the gods yeah I mean actually you know. kind of weirdly I have a lot of key men in my life that helped me so it stopped me becoming like anti-men or scared of men like I think it was quite good the way it turned out well actually in the piece we know that 
Chris Martin, you, you obviously have a lot to thank him for as well. Because it's such a cringe story. <laughs> it's a bit cringe, but it's very sweet. Oh, I don't know this story. Oh, God. Can so, I tell it or are you going to tell it? You Chris tell it. Martin. Basically, it was a nightmare, the dating world, because like, lots of people did reject me and in not very nice ways. And when I finally met my husband, it was like, even though I was a woman, it was like teenage dating and all those awkward moments. Because like, when you're an attractive woman, you can make presumptions about who fancies you and I felt like I couldn't do that anymore because I didn't know who was physically attracted to me and who could see past certain things so me and my husband had that weird thing where we were seeing each other regularly but we never labelled it boyfriend and girlfriend you just kind of met through friends in, yeah. a, in a bar hadn't you I just, just thought like he liked me as night, mates yeah. and yeah. like you know I don't really know and I was just really crap at reading it all um, probably blinded one I didn't help <laughs> so, um, anyway so and I knew Chris Martin through Sony through Simon Cowell and I always tried to downplay my life to my husband because I don't want him to think I was like a twat you know so I never said I know Chris Martin personally and I just and Chris had texted me saying we're, we're, we're in England we're at the um, Emirates Stadium do you want tickets so I it was like yeah okay cool it'll probably be in the main audience text my you know future husband saying do you want to go to this gig and he was like okay cool and when we got there the PA met us and took us into the VIP lounge which I didn't expect so my husband was like oh my god all the drinks are free wow this is <laughs> and I'm just like yeah yeah and then later on the PA said oh Chris wants to see you before the show starts so I thought maybe Chris was like a producer or something so we go into this dressing room and then it's actually Chris Martin <laughs> and so my husband's a bit he's a carpenter my husband you know he doesn't have anything to do with celebrity world and he's like oh my god do you know him I was like well sort of yeah but I didn't want to mention it and then he's like hey Katie how are you he's like so who's this guy is this your boyfriend are you dating I was just like, oh my God, why did you do that to me? And then Gwyneth runs in and she's like, hey, Katie. And then my husband's literally like, what is going on? So, and I was just like, oh, kill me now. Um, And then that night he said to me, oh, so let's make it official. Let's be boyfriend and girlfriend. So that's how we actually got together. So Gwyneth and and Chris, they they coupled before they consciously uncoupled. They did a bit of coupling. So I like that they were responsible. I'm going to take it back to something much more frivolous now and just ask you what your tell me um your beauty list give me your what cream are you using what do you what do you do you wake up in the morning you wash your face yeah so I wake up in the morning and wash my I'm a bit kind of like militant so I wash my face in the shower with a face wash and then I do a cream cleanse when I get out that's my second cleanse have you got a favorite br- um, brand that you cream cleanse with I actually am using Avenue at the moment just because when I how do you pronounce it Avent Avent yeah when I went abroad to France that was what they introduced it's me to. so nice no, yeah. but there's also Avenue is there Avenue yeah, but it's it's what, what color is it it's uh White. orange text of white background yeah the, uh, Evan, Evan, yeah. <laughs> and then I use their thermal water afterwards the La Roche Pose serum and then actually a dermatologist introduced me to this cream and it's it looks like an eczema cream in the bottle well, it's called it's C-E-C-I I think and it's in blue and white. You know, you get it from these really old school chemists. I love the old school chemists. Yes. You get them around here, don't you? Yeah. Really cool. Actually, sell. there's an amazing one across the road. Yeah. It sells those huge kind of organic sponges. You yeah. Know, those and the Mason and Pierce Yes, and the Mason and Pierce brushes. I just go in those to browse when I have time oh. between like meetings. But I stuff. find that chemists make me feel... It's something about they made me feel safe and yeah. clean and there's a I promise of everything going to be all right mm-hmm. and they sell those sort of throat lozenges in tins yeah 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 that, you know yeah, like the metal tins in the yeah. metal tins my yeah. granny used to use those tins to put her cigarettes out in she used, yeah. to, she used to eat the lozenges Nostalgic. and then she used, to, she used to put her cigarettes out in those metal black currant throat mm-hmm. pastel tins just to go back to your hands because the skin was very thin 
where you'd been burned, mm. you had um, you put filler in fat transfer. Fat transfer. Yeah, yeah. So I had um, fat transfer taken from my thighs, um, and I had it put. Um, so I had a huge. I mean, I still have a little dip, but I had a huge dip here where I lost fatty tissue Mm -hmm. because you know I kind of turned and tried to block so that was a really bad burn and they cut the whole burn out and then stitched it back together again my hand used to dip and it was so painful Mm -hmm. so if I just knock my hand there it was awful but when I had the fat transfer it really helped and again on my forehead like that was so painful if I would just tap it on something I had fat transfer all here as well um in your scalp yeah all down here because the, the depth of the burn was obviously down to the past the subcuticus layer, down to muscle and skeleton, a little bit of nerve damage and muscle damage on this side. Like this hand is numb, like all, so say like all here where there's no burn, there's no feeling though at really? all. Really? Because they, 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 it went so it deep. It went so deep into yeah. It just feels a bit pins and needly. You and know, you like. use Profilo to sort of give it a, a kind of moisturised... Yeah, I've tried everything. I've tried different fillers, um, and I tried the Profilo only just before Christmas. And then I'm going to go for a second lot, actually, in, in a few months' time. And I think sometimes all these things, it's hard to pinpoint one specific thing that helped. But all the little bits help. Yeah, the combination. I just think my face was less dehydrated, less mm, crepey. Mm. My makeup would last for longer because I didn't want volume. You know, I wanted like the hydration. And do you have things like mesotherapy? Um, I have tried it and I've tried um, PPR. PRP. Um, PRP, PRP. What, what about microneedling? Um, I've tried that too. The thing is, right, it's quite painful for me because the mm. skin is so solid and tough. Um, I think for me the deepest stuff has been the laser because some of the other stuff like um, derma roller and stuff is too surface for me I think Um, and I don't have any pores I don't sweat at all Um, so the side that's the most burnt is more kind of waxy shiny and the side that is least burnt is where I can get blackheads and things Um, so like if I I ran a half marathon in a full face of makeup (laughs) that's my girl no redness at all nothing no sweat right perfect base perfect brow everything and then so like my arms were bright red and dripping with sweat it kind of overcompensated how interesting yeah interesting and when you when you talk about perfect base and everything because you must need a base that will sit on the skin what do you use I I think very interesting for our listeners who are who've got scarring yeah I mean foundation I like Kevin Aqua I like Urban Decay Amani Silk but it's all the prep for me. So, so I, the primers? Yeah, cleanse the face of any oil, light moisturizer, SPF, primer, and then prime other sections. So then use a lid primer all in every single crease. Right, and drag the primer over the lashes because you're going to put your mascara over your lashes at the end. Like seal everything. And then tiny, tiny brushes to paint into the scars, to paint round the brows, to push into the hairline a setting spray, a setting powder, like almost treat it like a kind of building project. It's right? actually quite like old old school stage makeup. Funny it's enough, I, I was uh, trained as a makeup artist, but so long ago mm. that that was the kind of makeup that we did. We literally set the face. Yeah. You know, so every single pore, every <coughs> powder was applied like really densely with a pad. Yeah. Have you done it's skin awesome. tattooing? Yeah, I did. I had like brows and lips tattooed. I had liner tattooed. And then, and then I had the microblading. It was okay. And, you know, I suppose it's, it's all about where did I come from? Because I came from no brows at all, nothing, right? So at the time, a tattoo was good. 
I've now had a hair transplant, which actually is my preference. Yeah, they look great. Yeah, your brows like, look amazing. Yeah, That's a hair transplant. Yeah, so I have wow. a hair transplant for all the brows, and then I have a hair transplant um, here. So it's very wiry, Around the ear. you know, because um, my hairline started back there because the skin graft went back there. Um, because that's this is know. all uh, this is all transplanted hair. Yeah, for my own like back amazing. Of my head. Yeah, so yeah, do I like tattooing and stuff? Like if I had a real natural brown, not sure if I would do it. Um, but for me, it gave me some kind of normality and expression at the time. And with the lips, I kind of had a nude one done because my lips don't have any outline. They're like really jagged from the skin graft. So it helped. But your lips is pale pink. Is this, is that? That's the that's old tattoo. The old yeah. tattoo. But I don't maintain it because I don't really They're a nice it. color. They, they are, are a nice very color. soft yeah, pink soft. color, which I, I think is, is good. I was wondering if you've ever had any of your scars tattooed. Um, no, and I don't really. Uh, you don't care about it. No, and I just feel it, like. They're not, they're, they, I, I haven't seen you obviously without makeup on but they you look very even toned to me. yeah i mean I, compared to other burn survivors i've met it's even toned but if i had no makeup on i'm a very pale white because i always factor 50 all year round um and some of my scars are red and some are bright bright white and waxy white um and i just feel like tattooing scars what happens in 50 60 70 years time we don't really know you know and, and it's changing all the time so and I'm just not bothered by them you know it's like so why um, would you where would you stop you know it goes all down here my whole back and buttocks are a massive scar where they took the sheet for the skin graft so like if you started just yeah where would you stop yeah yeah the thing that I've noticed with you now that I've met you a few times is that five minutes into knowing you you don't there's nothing I don't see anything and I think that says everything about you and I think that says everything about attitude. I just think, you know, it, it's in the eye of the beholder. That's why people respond to you the way they do because I you, agree. you have, you're not defined by this thing. You are a beautiful woman and I'm so thrilled that I met you, Katie. And it, I can't tell you how much it meant to me Aww. meeting you, working with you, taking those pictures, seeing your response to how beautiful you found yourself in those pictures. Can I see those pictures? Yeah. I'll show you the pictures. I've got them on my phone. I've got lots of them on my phone. Do you keep... Yeah, we, were, we were all standing around the, around the screen. So we had fun, didn't we? We had really, yeah. really good fun. I was lying on the floor holding your skirt down. Yeah. Um, such as, such mothering as there was. Me, yeah. Yes, mothering you. But it was lovely. And thank you for coming yeah, to see us. It's really amazing for you to be here thank you for joining us and sharing your story it was great to talk to you both thanks for having me (laughs) we'll be back next thursday and in the meantime don't forget us on instagram at the guinea pig podcast bye bye the guinea pig provides unbiased information to those who may be considering cosmetic surgery or even trialing a non-invasive treatment or product we do not endorse the use of any product or procedure featured in this podcast and are not responsible for the outcome of any of the treatments featured on this podcast or damage caused in connection with any treatments or products should you decide to try any of the procedures treatments or products mentioned in any episode of the guinea pig you do so at your own risk always consult an independent and fully qualified medical professional if you are considering embarking on a medical procedure, irrespective of whether it's an invasive or non-invasive procedure.